Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. God bless you today as you give. Go with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I have an 87-year-old dad who has, um, sometimes he gives me his view of the world. And he has said this, he said, Carrie, and he served the Lord. He really didn't come to Christ till his second half of his life. And he said this, he said, life really, when you come down to it, it's just like God gives you one test after another test after another test. Anybody found that to be true? Life is a series of tests. The story we have today from Luke chapter four is, is the test where Jesus went through. And I guess it's safe to say if we go through tests, it'd be all right if we found out the test that Jesus went through as well. So if you're in verse number one, Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. When they were ended, he of course was hungry. And the devil said unto him, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It's written that man shall not live but by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil didn't give up, taking him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moments of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you, and the glory of them, for that's delivered unto me, to whomsoever I will give it. If you therefore will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get behind me, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. And he brought to him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it's written, He will give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then the devil ended all the temptation. He departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Father, thank you again that the model's already been laid. Path's already been set, God, that we are going to be tempted of the enemy in this life. But Jesus, just as he overcame, we can overcome as well. And I pray that somebody that's going through a test today will be encouraged by the words of Jesus and the life of, of the same. And so for all this, I give you praise and thanks. Can't wait, God, to get around these altars and connect, touch heaven the conclusion of this service. We love you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. There's some interesting stuff in this this story right here. And the first thing that I see here is that it just says that Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost. and But that didn't stop the enemy from attacking him. Just because you've been to church, just because you've had some doodads go up and down your back, just because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and made a commitment to Christ, that doesn't make mean that Jesus Christ, that, excuse me, that the enemy won't attack you because he will attack you. If you've been in this thing longer than about five seconds, you realize there's an enemy who's come after you to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good news is that Jesus Christ overcame the enemy as well as allowing you and I to do the same. Let me just say this. Thank God that the same enemy that Jesus overcame is the same enemy that you and I can overcome as well. It says he was full of the Spirit, and then we realized he was led by the Spirit. And then at the very end of the story, it says he was empowered by the Spirit. Do you know that you and I need power in this world today? Everybody needs more power. 
If you're a Christian businessman, you need power for God to help you to grow your business. If you're a Christian preacher, you need God to empower you to help you to preach the gospel. If you're a mama of a three-year-old, you need power to God help you to raise that three-year-old. Am I right, mamas? There's something about power that we need, and the Bible tells us Jesus, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, but then when he overcame his test, that's when he was empowered by the Spirit. That tells me something, that something happens in that test that changes me and you. It's almost like the test is the thing that God uses to empower us to live for him. See, the problem, we think sometimes the problem, the test is the problem, but the test really is the pathway that God gives us to the power. Did you see that? So that's good news for me and for you, to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to be empowered by the Spirit. Anybody need a little power today? In this day in which we live, my friends, the days are such that the, the, the world has gone just halfway crazy. Let me just say this. The, girls, the world has gone full crazy. And you and I as believers need power in these last days. And then it says he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him to face the enemy. He just didn't just bump into the enemy walking through the wilderness. He just didn't bump into the enemy just as in his normal day, but he was led by the Spirit to have this test. Is there any chance that God's led you to the test that you're in right now? Is there any reason he knew there's something on the inside of you that he's got to get out of you? And the only way he can get it out of you is he's got to squeeze He's got to press. He's got to put you in a test to where he can get that out of you so that you can be empowered by his spirit. That's good news. That means God's, all, well, God's working. God's doing something right now in our lives. He's just haplessly just wandering through life and just one, every once in a while bump into us. God's working a plan. He's working a plan by giving you and I a test. Go ahead and thank God for the test. Go ahead and say it. Thank you, God. Thank you for teenagers. Hallelujah. God, thank you for that boss at work. God, thank you for that neighbor. God, thank you for those things that come and just to come against us because he's working it out for, for your glory, for his glory and for your end. Now, it says this, he was tempted of the devil and he did eat nothing. And when, he, when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it be made to bread. It's interesting to me that he said, if you be the son of God. Now, I don't think he said, if you be the son of God. I think he said it like this. If you be the son of God, if you're really the son of God, you may think you're the son of God, but if you're really the son of God, almost arrogantly and mockingly, I mean, I would agree that's how he did it. Because see, the thing is, is the devil likes to put labels on people. You know what a label is? It's on, it's, on, it's on food, it's on clothes. The devil likes to put labels on people. And he likes to put negative labels, and sometimes he likes to put a spin on the labels. The first label is a negative label. He likes to tell you, you're just broke. He likes to tell you, you're unfixable. He likes to tell you, you'll never amount to anything. And there's sometimes we have to tell the devil, not just listen to what he has to say, we got to tell the devil what God's label says about me and about you. God says you're redeemed. God says you're my child. God says you're a son and you're a daughter. 
God says that you're on your way to heaven. God says you're sanctified and saved by the blood of Jesus. We got to believe what God has to say about our label and not what the devil has to say about, our, about us. Am I, am, am I right? Am I preaching to you this morning? Sometimes we got to believe the label that God says over. Let me say this. We always have to believe the label that God says versus the label that the devil puts on us. One of the hardest things as I came to, be, to, came to Christ is, the, is I had to believe what God said about me. And that's tough. Because when you grow up, sometimes you believe the things that people say. If you had a parent that ever said something to you that was negative, that you'll never amount to anything, sometimes it's hard to let those words go. If you ever had a teacher said, you're not ever going to make do anything with your life. Those words are hard to, to, to hear, but they're hard to get rid of as well. But let me just tell you, I came by today to tell somebody. I came by to tell somebody today that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That you are not who you used to be. You are who God made you to be. You're not old and outdated and tired. You're brand new. He gave you a brand new body, gave you a, given you a brand new person. You're somebody different in Christ Jesus, and that's reason to go ahead and give God a hand clap of praise this morning because you're somebody different today because of Jesus. Somebody different today because of Jesus. Secondly, he tries to confuse us about who we really are. He, he, he was, it's interesting, he was telling Jesus something that Jesus already knew. Yeah, you're the son of God. Yeah, thanks, I know that. But he was trying to twist it around and to help him not to see what he really was. See, the thing is, is you've got to really believe that you're changed. You've got to really believe that you're different than who you used to be. You've got to really believe that when God sees you, he's already made his mind up about you. God's already made his mind up about you, and when he looks at you and he sees you, he's content. He's happy. He's pleased with you because of the blood of Jesus. Sometimes we think, yeah, I know I hear all that, but I'm really not. I'm really just kind of me, and I'm kind of a, it's like a person who got a fresh coat of paint. God didn't give you a fresh coat of paint. He went on the inside of you, began to change you and turn you. He began to rewire you. He began to rewash you. He began to do everything, replumb you on the inside. You're not the same person you used to be. You're not the same person that the world thinks you were. You're not the same place that the person your friends think you are. You've been changed by the blood of Jesus, and God's rewired you. Go ahead and believe what God has said about you. And, of course, Jesus answered and said, and it's written, the man shall not live by bread alone. I've learned something here about these, the, the day we live in. And do you realize these are the last days? I'm going to prove it to you here. I'm going to read to you 2 Timothy. And you just think about what you read in the newspaper or the online or what this past week. And you tell me if it's not the same thing that we see right here. In the last days, perilous times shall come. For men and women shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetousness boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, to parents, unthankful and unholy. Now, it says people are, are lovers of themselves and lovers of money. Anybody ever been on TikTok? Anybody ever been on Facebook? People love themselves. I mean, the best picture that they've ever had in their entire life, they put it as their profile page on Facebook, don't they? Don't they? All the great things they've done, the, the, the things that happened, even the food that they, that they did a good job cooking, they put it on the front so everybody can see what they've cooked. People, Now, don't get upset if you put something on your page about something. I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying we live in that particular day. Now, but here's the interesting part. So if we're living in the last days, my question is, it's a test. The last days are a test for the people of God to overcome. So we're not just have to go through the test and go through the things that are going, going on. We have to overcome the test. And I like what the Bible says. As you, as you read through chapter 3, he says this. He says, but you, me and you, continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing who you have learned them from. And then from a child, have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the Bible tells me that in the last days that which we're in, that there's going to be something that God's going to give us to help us to overcome those last days. He might want to guess what that is. He says all scripture is given so that you and I can overcome the problems that we face in, the, in these days. Can I tell you, you, can, you, you, don't have, you, you might not be able to believe what's on CNN. You might not be able to believe what's on the latest political blog. You might not be able to believe everything that comes out of every teacher's mouth, but can I tell you, you can believe every single word that comes out of the pages of this leather-bound book is the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth. And it's that thing that's going to get us through. It's that thing that's going to keep us and, and, and watch us through all the days of life. It's that thing that's going to protect our children and protect our grandchildren. It's going to keep us from the attacks of the enemy and the tests that we face. This book right here is going to do more for you and I than we could ever believe or ask or think. And I want you to know this is special. That word, I like the word in there. It says it's given by inspiration. Pastor Caleb, where is he? There he is. Hey, he's got the camera. He's doing a, a U version a Bible study that I joined in. And so this particular scripture, this thought came straight from that, that Bible, that, um, that devotion. And it said that word inspiration is the word that's kind of given when God breathed into, the, 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 into Adam in the garden. It's the same picture. It's the same word that's used. So that tells me that there's something that happens. God breathed his breath into Adam and became alive. Something happens when we read this book. It begins to breathe into you. It begins to breathe life into you. When you think about, I'm not going to do this as an example, but if you were to take somebody and you would give them mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, you know what you're doing? You're taking your breath and you're breathing it into them to bring life into that which is dead. The Word of God does the exact same thing. Doesn't matter who you are or what you are. When you just begin to read it and you begin to listen to it and you begin to get it on the inside of you, it's like it's breathing life and bringing life into that which is dead. So it doesn't matter who you are, young or old, JBQ, been in this thing your whole life, the Word of God can breathe life to you in the test called the end times. Now, are you still with me? We're talking about the test that we face. We're talking about the test that Jesus faced as well. Now, here's another interesting point, and this is the point I always th actually thought was kind of funny. Because not only after he got done, you know, telling him to make the stone and the bread, the next thing he asked him to do is he said he, he looked at all the kingdoms of the world, he showed them to Jesus, and he said, all this power will I give you, and the glory of them for that's delivered into them, and whosoever I will give it, if you'll therefore worship me, and, you sh and all shall be yours. Now, he tempted Jesus, the Son of God, with stuff. He tempted him with wealth. 
And I think it's safe to say if he tempted Jesus with it, that he'll tempt you and I with it as well. Let me be honest for just a minute. Can I tell you, sometimes I wish I had more. Sometimes I have two kayaks. I wish I had four kayaks. Sometimes I have a 19, 2015 car, and I wish I had a 2018 car. And there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with wanting more. But can I tell you, there can come a place where it becomes consuming to make more stuff, to have more stuff. And that's what God's talking about right here. The Bible tells us this over in, in, in Proverbs. It says, be content with what you have because the Lord's the one who gave it to you. That 2015 car, God gave it to me. Thank God. Those two yak, two, two yaks, two kayaks, God gave it to me. Amen. So be thankful for what God's given you. And the thing is, the thing about, I like about money, and it sounds weird for a preacher to say I th the thing I like about money, but the thing I like about money is it's something that God's given me that I can give and help somebody else. That's my prayer. God, give me enough, not for a 2017 car, but give me enough so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. Let me pay a single mother's rent. Hallelujah. Let me give to a person that didn't have enough food. Let me pay the electric bill for a person that's fallen on hard times. Give me enough, God, that I can pay the doctor bill for somebody who can't pay their own doctor bills. That's what I love about Christian people. You know why I love y'all? You know why I love y'all? <laughs> because you're the most giving people that I know. Of all the people in the world... And you think about all the people that you see on social media and, and, and the news and things like that. The most giving people in the world are God's people. You know where the Red Cross came from? God's people. Every time there's a disaster somewhere in the world, the people on the scene are God's people. You know where Baptist Hospital came from? People just like y'all, God's people. When there's a sick person in our community, a person that's in dire need in our community, they can go to the people of God, and the people of God will take care of them. Do you know where the, um, what else is there? Orphanages. Mother Teresa started orphanages in India because she was taking care of boys and girls who couldn't take care of themselves. That was God's people that did that. And you can go on, St. What's the, what's the hospital in um, Little Rock? St. Vincent's. You know where that came from? People just like you and me. God's people over and over again are givers. And I want you to know something today. Thank God that God still allows us to give us, gives to us so that we can give to the people around them. You know how this gospel is going to get around the world? Y'all missed that one. Boy, I was, I was doing pretty good. You missed that one. You know how the gospel is going to get around the world? Because people like us are going to give and watch God reach every single soul for the kingdom of God. And then he says this. He says to Jesus, all this power will I give you and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me. All this power that I will give you. How many know that Jesus is all powerful? All the power that, that, that Satan says, all this power I'll give you. There's probably, let me say this, there is nobody more powerful than Jesus, and it's so interesting that the devil says he's going to give him all this power. Do you understand this, that, that you've been given power as well? You've been given authority as well? You've been given things in your life by Almighty God that sometimes the devil tries to think he can give you as well? Always get this, your stuff from God and not from other sources. 
Always get your stuff from God and don't get your stuff from the enemy. Single folks, get your husband from God and not from other sources. Get your job from God and not other sources. Get your self-worth from God and not other sources. Get your wife from God and not from other sources. See, the thing is, the enemy always has an imitation. He always has something that he's going to give to you that you can get from God, but he's going to make you think he's the only one that can give it to you. But I came by to tell you today that God's got all everything that you have need of in this life. The Bible says he provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means every single thing that you need in this life, Jesus Christ has provided for you. I need a job. He's got one for you. Boy, I need a spouse. He's got one for you. I need a friend. He's got some of those for you as well. You know what I need? I need to pay the water bill. God can do that as well. And the thing is, is even though the enemy tries to, sometimes he tries to transplant that, and he tries to promise us things that only God can give you, don't take the bait, pass the test, get your stuff from God. Now, it's worship. It's worship that the devil wanted. He wanted Jesus to fall down and worship you. Let me tell you, we'd be in a pickle if Jesus had done that. We'd be in a pickle. And then lastly today, verse 8, Jesus answered and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. It's written, You shall worship the Lord your God with him only you shall serve. And then here's his third test. He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in, their, in your hands they shall dash you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. The devil quotes scripture. The enemy quotes scripture. He knows the Bible. Now, the, the problem we have here is he didn't finish these particular passages. He just read half of it. But the devil knows the scriptures. And then Jesus said these words. He said, it's not right to tempt God. Now, I just got to stop there for a minute and talk to you about what that means to tempt God. Whenever we try to do something to prove that we're a Christian, can I tell you, you're getting over into the, 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 the area where you're trying to tempt God. Let me give you an example. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, To them that believe, these signs shall follow. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll, if they drink any poison, it will not harm them. If I was to bring in here some poison and drink it in front of you to prove to you that I'm a believer, that would be tempting the Lord. And I'd also be dead. <laughs> if I was to bring a snake in here and I was to let him bite you, to prove to everybody how spiritual you are, that's tempting the Lord. That's what Jesus is talking about. The interesting thing is in the Old Testament, not just does it mean that, but in the Old Testament, the scripture Jesus quoted came from the book of Exodus. When the children of Israel were going into Israel, and the Bible says they tempted the Lord God. Now stay with me here. They said they tempted the Lord God. Here's how they tempted God. They'd just come out of Egypt, seen incredible miracles, They'd gone into a desert place, and they got thirsty. And when they got thirsty, they went to Moses and said, give us water. And God called that tempting the Lord. Now, you and I would both agree that wasn't anything outlandish. They were asking for water, right? They just wanted something to, for the kids to drink, wanted something they could drink. They wanted something that they could feed their cattle. They just wanted water. But the problem was... They didn't say, God, give us something to drink. They said, you give us something to drink, Moses. See, here's the thing. When we begin to look to man 
for our stuff and our needs to be met and not to God, God says, you're actually tempting me. So here's the thing. Everything you and I have in this life, need in this life, God's got the answer. Every test you're going through, God's got the answer. Every problem with your, with your, your kids, God's got the answer. Every problem in your marriage, God's got the answer. Don't look to men. Don't look to the people of this world. Look to him. And I promise you this, when you look to God, he'll always show himself strong. If you believe that, say amen. If you believe that, say amen. Now, I'm just about to come home here. So the devil and Jesus go through this battle. And the enemy uses different tactics to try to get him to off course and to help them to... Um, Gets him off course and to try, try to trip him up. And the Bible says this, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed for him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. I went this past week to a, a prayer meeting. It was at a Baptist church in Little Rock. And there was multi-denominational, multi-racial people that were there. And they came to pray just that God would send revival to our city. It said that evangelists, there's, it said that one of the hardest places for a revival to come is Little Rock, Arkansas. If you ask evangelists across the board, they'll say it's just so hard because it seems like there's, there's this church on every street corner. It's not because we don't have enough people. It's because people have been so inoculated against the gospel. Everybody's been saved. Everybody's accepted Christ. And it's just a hard place. There's such a religious spirit in Little Rock. But here's the good news. God can still break that. God can still change Little Rock. He can still change our community from the inside out. But as I sat there and listened and, and just thought that of all the plans that we're trying to do and things that they're trying to bring speakers in, special speakers to come in, Billy Graham's grandson is named Will Graham. He's an evangelist just like his grandfather, like his father. They're trying to invite him to come to do a, um, like a four-day crusade at Verizon Arena. It's not Verizon Arena anymore. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if right now, while we're waiting on God to send revival, if this is not just part of the test. Because sometimes we talk about revival so much, it's almost a word that's kind of been overused. It's worn out. And I wonder if there's somebody, even in the midst of all that, that maybe has just kind of gone, you know what? It's just, we talk about it all the time, but revival, it's just one of those things you just never really get. But I just got to thinking, maybe this is just all part of the test. Maybe God's just waiting for somebody to believe him that today is the day and now is the time for a move of God to hit our church, our community, our city, and our nation. Maybe this is the moment in history that God has set apart and designed for a move of God to take place that will bring prodigals home, that will heal broken bodies, that will bring families back together, restore marriages, restore communities, heal the racism problem, everything that we face. Maybe this is the time when God wants to do it, and he just needs somebody to believe it. Now, that's where you come in today. That's where you come in today. Because God always has to find somebody who will believe him that he still wants to do what he said he would do. You say, what does that mean? It means just exactly what it says. It means in your heart of hearts, when you walk out of this church today, you go, God, I know you want to do it again. God, I know that you want to do it again. And you've got to do it again for the sake of my community, 
for the sake of my church, for my lost loved ones, God, you've got to do it again. And I believe you're going to do it in this day, in this age. Does anybody believe it? Does anybody really believe that God really wants to pour out another awakening upon a community? Does anybody look at a promised land of revival and think God can do it? Everybody else, the majority is saying he can't do it. But there's just a couple people, a minority of people that go, you know what? He can do it. God can do it. If he be for us, who can be against us? We can go in right now and God will do it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.